If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. Hey, thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. We've had an exciting week. Thanks so much for being here all week long. Uh, we have uh, Admiral James Servetus. Big write-up on his book uh, came out in the Wall Street Journal today. It's uh, 2034, a novel of the next world war. It's about a war with China. But the thing about the Admiral, he actually game-planned it out. Uh, so we'll talk about that. Then Kevin Cork will bring us up to date what's happening in Washington. As yesterday, that stunning news about the Supreme on the Supreme Court steps that they would like to uh, pack the court. Something we haven't heard about since, I don't know, 1937, just like Donald Trump predicted. So a lot to get through. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. The media likes three kinds of Republicans, the ones that vote with Democrats, the ones that lose, and the ones that die. And dying is just a little bit too much for most of us to curry favor with the media. <laughs> That's so fantastic, Trey Gowdy. Banned, a New York Post story that talks about BLM's leader with four houses worth millions of dollars. Now it's a banned story. She's a Marxist acting like a capitalist, and I guess Facebook has a problem with that. How CNN is twisting the truth to destroy Trump and bolster the virus. Facebook and Twitter decide that is fake news, even though it's caught on camera with a, a Fox, excuse me, with a CNN employee. How long will we stand for this? Number two. Let's just be fair here. If Donald Trump had come out and called a dog a cat, which is what Joe Biden's doing, we would be outraged by the fact that he's lying. But with Joe Biden somehow, it's like, oh, well, come on, it's Joe. Uh, yeah, and he repeated that last night with Laura Ingram, and he tweeted that out. And, jo- and by the way, Chris Christie will be on with us on the Friday edition. Uh, Biden's coming up to 100 days. It was supposed to be a return to normalcy. Remember, when we got what we got and what we are getting is, to put it kindly, abnormal. The latest lark is a court-packing commission morphed into a court-poaching bill. Time for Republicans to speak out and call it what it is, a lie. Number one. What measure, what standard, what objective uh, outcome do we have to reach before Americans get their liberty and freedoms back? You know, you're indicating liberty and freedom. I look at it as a public health measure to prevent people from dying and going to the hospital. You don't think Americans' liberties have been threatened the last year, Dr. Fauci? Uh, And he doesn't get to answer that in a fiery committee meeting. It's about time. Dr. Fauci called out by Jim Jordan for refusing to greenlight fully vaccinated Americans from going back to life or anybody else with antibodies. He's been wrong by so much. He's been wrong more than he's been right. And now we've got a direct link between Anthony Fauci, get this, and the Wuhan lab. So let's get started. First, uh, if you have missed this because you're working during the day, uh, Jim Jordan just went at it. You thought that uh, you thought that maybe Rand Paul was fired up about uh, Anthony Fauci, and you know how I feel about it. Don't wear a mask. Wear a mask. Don't worry about the pandemic. It tells John, uh, 
he tells John Castamatidis, uh, the, the, this coronavirus is not going to be a problem here. He had the wrong test with the CDC. He told us to wipe down everything because that's the coronavirus could transfer through inanimate objects, through countertops in your cereal box. We wiped that down. That is all not true. And then we were told just because we're vaccinated doesn't mean we could go see grandchildren and have them visit you. Really? Fully vaccinated people can't do that? We had problems with that. Two days ago, he says we can't go eat indoors. Fully vaccinated people eat indoors. Are you crazy? That is just not true. And that is just not being cautious. That's being ridiculous. He never takes into account lifestyle, the economy, and of the American dream, which he loves busting. And he does not face anything in fact. For a guy that loves data, he never says anything definitive. He should be an advisor. He should never be leading the policy. Dr. Rochelle Walensky said this last week. Cut for Our data from the CDC today suggests, um, you know, that that vaccinated people do not carry the virus, don't get sick, um, and, and that it's not just in the clinical trials, but it's also in real-world data. Two trials, clinical trials, real-world. We should not be wearing masks if we're fully vaccinated. Yeah, there's a chance we're going to get it. Like a, a .0004% chance? No problem. Better chance of getting the measles or mumps. Vaccines better with this than it is in the other places, unless you're not telling us the truth. And I assume everyone's being told the truth because numbers are dropping. So why does he continue to hesitate in just green lighting situations? Jim Jordan has had it. Cut one. In your written statement, you say now is not the time to pull back on masking, physical distancing and avoiding congregate settings. When is the time? When do Americans get their freedom back? Can you put your microphone on, please? Sorry. When we get the level of infection in this country low enough that it is not a really high threat. What is low enough? Give me a number. When do we get to the point, what measure, what standard, what objective uh, outcome do we have to reach before, before Americans get their liberty and freedoms back? You know, I, you're indicating liberty and freedom. I look at it as a public health measure to prevent people from dying and going to the hospital. You don't think Americans' liberties have been threatened the last year, Dr. Fauci? They've been assaulted. Uh, absolutely. And he doesn't get it. I mean, whether it's a blind spot or his whole, he only has one spot that he can see out of, he cannot be setting policy. His, his ideas don't hold up. He skirts around many issues. He doesn't commit. Just tell me how many cases. Right now you think fifty or 60,000 cases in the country, right? Hospitalizations are down over the two-week period, 18%. You have deaths down 22%, sometimes 30%, depending on the week and the day. But they're all going in the right direction outside Michigan. Uh, and still, deaths and hospitalizations still are low. So having said that, tell us the number. We get down to 20,000 cases, fine. I mean, why California with these low numbers has to wait to June 1st to open makes no sense. These arbitrary ideas that curfews kill the coronavirus in New York, they're going to open it up to 12 o'clock next Monday. Like this, we're supposed to just go along with this like sheep. Unbelievable where this went. Listen to how this, this exchange ended. Cut to. I don't look at this as a liberty thing, Congressman Jordan. What number do we get our liberties back? Tell me the number. Tell me the number. I'd like my question answered. Expire, sir. If you need to respect the chair and shut your mouth. Who does she think she is? Maxine Waters. You shut your mouth. Can you imagine if Jim Jordan said that to her? That that would be all they were talking about. CNN and MSNBC, we'd be blowing out commercial breaks and bringing Rachel Maddow uh, from her living room to to put it all in perspective. Here's Jim Jordan, cut five. 
Yeah, but I mean, in what world does an unelected bureaucrat get to tell American citizens when we can exercise our God-given liberties, when we can exercise our constitutional rights, our First Amendment rights? I mean, for a year now, Americans have been told you can't go to church, can't go to work, can't go to school, can't go to a loved one's funeral, can't assemble, can't petition. For a year now, citizens haven't been able to come to their capital to lobby their representative to petition them to redress their grievances. They can't do that. And if you dare speak out against Dr. Fauci, you get censored. You get attacked. And that's what happens. You get censored and attacked, but the point is made. And I can't imagine Democrats weren't happy to see who are blindly political or thriving, Walmart's uh, a manager, or thriving in this climate, that weren't happy to see Jim Jordan push him to the mat. He is probably good at what he does. He should not be leading the charge here. Josh Rogan brought another interesting perspective. He's from the Washington Post, author of Chaos Under Heaven. So he's brought up the fact that the media is not bringing up that Anthony Fauci has his direct link to financing and pointing grants to the Wuhan lab itself. Cut 10 with Megyn Kelly on our podcast. What you have to understand is that this body of research, this gain-of-function research, the whole world of virologists, and I, I, I came to learn a lot about how this operates over the last year and a half of writing this book. It's very insular, okay? And I often talk to scientists who say the same thing. They say, listen, we really want to speak out about this, but we can't do it. Why can't we do it? Well, we get all of our funding from NIH or NIAD, which is the National Association for Infectious Diseases, which is run by Dr. Fauci for years and years and years. And so we can't say anything like, oh, gain-of-function research might be dangerous or it might have come from the lab because we're, we're going to lose our, our careers. We're going to lose our funding. We're not going to be able to do the work. People like to say, oh, the scientists all think this. But there's a whole bunch of science. More and more are coming out, actually, and you see them every day. And Redfield's uh, uh, sort of signal was like, this is okay to do. You can say this. And, you know, but, but still, they get attacked for being racist or whatever, and they might lose their funding. And the head of that pyramid, the head of the funding, the head of the entire field really is Anthony Fauci. He's the godfather of -of gain-of-function research as we know it. Now, that, again, just what I said there is, like, too hot for, you know, TV because people don't want to think about the fact that our hero of the pandemic, Dr. Fauci, might also have been connected to this research, which might also have been connected to the outbreak. Okay. A couple of things. Not my hero. Most of the people I talk to, not their hero. But in Josh Rogan's world, they are he's a hero to them. I have no idea why he walks on water. Because he took on Trump, maybe, perhaps. Why he just relished the idea to hop on with Rachel Maddow. I wanted to come on for the longest time. I love your show. You don't love Rachel Maddow's show unless you're a wild lefty. More from Rogan, just on why the media will not cover Fauci's links to Wuhan. Cut 14. Dr. Fauci, the hero of the pandemic, might also have had a role in the research that may have caused the pandemic. That's a big, you know, kerplock. That's a, what we call a, like, a, like a, a big matzo ball to think about. You know, people can't get it through their heads, mm-hmm. but that's the reality. The point is that, you know, we, we, we're, we're not, we don't have a media environment where we can have that kind of discussion where we can say, okay, listen, you know, scientists are good people. They were trying to prevent the pandemic. Maybe their research got out of hand. Maybe in this Chinese lab, we, there was a bunch of other stuff going on, as the Biden administration and the Trump administration said. And maybe we got to get to the bottom of it. Is that too much to ask? It isn't. And we should. When we come back, we talk about another challenge. President Biden uh, maybe is ignoring, like, the pandemic and that Dr. Fauci's complex relationship with it. 
We talk about what's happening in Russia, the challenges over in China. Their economy grew at 20 percent. Are they ever going to listen to anybody, being that they poisoned the world and are recovering first and by a lot? And then Kevin Cork joins us, bringing us the latest from Washington. Busy day. So glad you're here. Don't move. It's Brian Kilmeade. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. The result of this decision today by President Biden is this cancel an insurance policy that, in my view, would prevent another 9-11 because I believe with all my heart and soul, after 50-something trips to the region, that a few thousand Americans watching over there would make it hard for al-Qaeda and ISIS to reorganize to hit us over here. Uh, those eyes and ears will be gone. Yep, and would it be worth it to stick it out in Afghanistan? How does Admiral James Stravitas feel? He's the author of 2034, a novel of the next world war, written up with a great review in the Wall Street Journal today, bestseller already. Admiral, I was curious. I almost got uh, Admiral McRaven to commit to it, but he said that uh, he kind of couched it, didn't want to make news on it. What does Admiral Stravitas feel uh, in the Biden decision to pull out? I've been very public about this. If I were advising the president or if I were the one making the decision, I would have kept the troops there. I think it's a very small number of troops. It is a uh, I think Lindsey Graham's got it about right. It's an insurance policy and it's a pretty low cost insurance policy. When I commanded that mission and I got a pair of combat boots downstairs with Afghan dust still on them. When I commanded that mission, I had one hundred and fifty thousand troops. Now we're down to 2,500 Americans. I would have gone in a different direction. But, you know, good decision, bad decision. It's a done decision. The military will salute and execute it. And the real question, Brian, and you know this, is where do we go from here? I hope we will keep a strong CIA presence. I hope we will keep a strong embassy. I hope we will safeguard that embassy. So there's got to be some level of military still there to do that. And I hope we continue to fund the Afghan security forces. If we do those things, we have a chance to avoid a complete meltdown. Let's uh, hope we do it. I'm so in the camp of Admiral Stravitas 
and uh, Senator Lindsey Graham. So, um, and of course, we celebrate 20, we don't celebrate, we mark 20 years since the 9 11 yes. attacks. So, today, I understand tensions are getting higher than ever in the Ukrainian region. Because it looks like the uh, the Russians are welling up some uh, troops and tank presence. Yesterday, we had two destroyers decide to turn around when they were confronted uh, by Russian ships. What could you tell us about this? Where do you think this is going? Um, Vladimir Putin has moved, Brian, perhaps as many as 80,000 troops to that border, some of them coming from a, as far away as Siberia. Um, I, I, I still think here's the good news. I think there's only a 10 percent chance he will actually invade Ukraine for a second time. His objective, if he did that, would be to carve out a land bridge connecting Russia with Crimea. I don't think he'll do that. What I think he's doing, my assessment, is he's um, rattling a sword in a scabbard and trying to uh, convince the Biden administration to Take it easy on sanctions. Don't overreact. Um, let's have a summit. Um, here, I think uh, the destroyer pullback uh, was a mistake. Um, indeed, uh, if if we were going to uh, send a signal back to Vladimir Putin, I think that's a, a relatively smart way to do it. Do it from the sea. Um, and I think also the Biden administration, they are doing this. Um, needs to increase the level of lethal combat assistance to the Ukrainians. We need to make Ukraine as tough as they can be. That is what will deter Putin from attacking. Uh, and the sanctions that were laid out at individuals as well as 10 were expelled yeah. from this country. We assume they are spies. And and, and the thing is, too, is uh, we, we have not heard this administration nor the Obama administration ever commit to lethal weapons. They gave them blankets and MREs. So we have not – he has not – that's how soft this press is. No one's even asked him about whether you're going to give them the Javelin missiles, the Javelin rockets that, that Donald Trump and, and his administration have done. I think we should fact-check ourselves on that one, Brian. I've seen press reports – I can't attest to this firsthand, but I have seen press reports – that there is a commitment to actual lethal aid. So let's see what happens over the next couple of weeks. I think you'll see that. 2034 is the name of your book, and uh, it does talk about a confrontation with China, which seems more uh, relevant than ever before, sadly. And we find out today that China's economy grew at nearly 20 percent in the first quarter. So they poisoned the world. There's not only no hell to pay for them, they're the first to recover, and there's a chance they'll, t- they'll have an advantage coming out of this. What can we do? Um, We should uh, begin uh, by insisting on real accountability for exactly what happened with the emergence of COVID from China. I'm not a conspiracy theorist here. I think it was probably a series of mistakes made either in a laboratory or in a wet market. But the world deserves an answer to those questions. Number two, we need to continue to have a strong military capability to face China, Brian, and that includes artificial intelligence, hypersonic cruise missiles ourselves, increasing the size of the U.S. Navy's fleet, cyber, special forces. We need a strong uh, military if we're going to confront. And then third and finally, we need to engage with China diplomatically and continue. 
out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton Withrow. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you'll subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. Continue to tell them um, it is not acceptable to imprison a million Uyghurs in your country and put them in what are, in effect, concentration camps. It is not acceptable to fly massive numbers of aircraft into the Taiwanese air defense zone. It is not acceptable to simply claim the South China Sea as territorial waters of China. So we've got to confront China where we must. There are probably areas we can cooperate in as well. But to do that, we're going to need a strong military. And uh, tactically, I, for one, want an accounting for what happened with COVID. I want an accounting. And I think I wouldn't mind. How about reparations for that? How about some big checks? How about a discount on on your uh, on the technology you stole from us as you sell it back to us at a cheaper rate? Uh, Admiral, congratulations on the success of 2034, a novel of the next world war. Uh, It's doing extremely well. Thanks, Brian. Great to talk to you. Go get him. Uh, When we come back, Kevin Cork's going to be with us, Fox News White House correspondent, bring us inside Washington. Why is it that Joe Biden told us from his basement he'd be a moderate and he's more like the squad than he is like Joe Manchin? Has he duped us on purpose or is he hostage to the left? Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. The United States Supreme Court is broken. It is out of balance, uh, and it needs to be fixed. Expanding the Supreme Court rights the wrongs the Republicans have done to this great court. We must expand the court, and we must abolish the filibuster to do it. So when I'm watching this announcement with Nadler and Markey, two chairmen of um, different chambers of their committees, I'm saying these aren't exactly renegade you know, uh, you know, necessarily squad type people. Like, why would they do this? Don't they know that the president of the United States just had a commission, 36 members, which is controversial, not bipartisan uh, at all, 50-50, to do this? Look at the Supreme Court, which is also abhorrent in my view. What are they doing? And then when Nancy Pelosi comes out and says, yeah, I'm not going to put this up for a vote. I'm not going to rule it out. I'm wondering if there's a grand strategy. A guy who would know joins us now from Washington, Kevin Cork, Fox News White House correspondent. Kevin, welcome back. Always a pleasure to be with you, my friend. Happy Friday. Now, back at you. Is there a grand play here? Is this part of a strategy? I have a theory, but I'm wondering what you're hearing. A couple things stand out to me. Number one, this isn't really, and I said as much last night in a conversation uh, with your good friend and mine, Shannon Bream, I said this isn't really about reaching the White House. This strategy, at least in the short term, BK, is about reaching the ears of the justices. Uh, I think there's a fairly sizable amount of evidence to suggest this is really about intimidating the court to effectively 
stay in line uh, with uh, progressive principles or else we will pack the court or else we will do other things to ensure that our will is seen clear here in Washington, sort of a, a Damocles sword, if you will, hanging over the heads of Chief Justice John Roberts and others who might otherwise decide to possibly stray away from liberal orthodoxy. And the reason I say this is because Ed Markey, this is interesting. You just played a great clip. Remember, just two years ago, we have pictures of him <laughs> on <know>. Capitol <laughs> Hill in the same spot saying, hey, nine is fine. So the, the real work here is this is sort of a trial balloon. You want to get it out there, not again with any seriousness. You know and I know. So there's, there's, I can't say 0% chance of this ever making it through the House and the Senate and to the president's desk, but as close to zero as, as I could get, I would say. So really this is about intimidation in my opinion. I have a – that's a solid theory. I have another one. You ready for this? Yeah. Do you remember when Ali beat Foreman in Zaire? Ah. Do you remember that he Rope had his people? Yeah. He had, no, something a little even different, more subtle than that. They, for some reason, the ropes were loosened. And on normal rings with the tension normally, he, Ali couldn't have leaned back that far and right. maybe allowed to absorb the blows or miss the blows entirely. He spent the time on the ropes. We never heard of the rope-a-dope. Instead of trying to dance away from the guy with the bigger punch, he leaned back. Do you believe that since Marky and Nadler were involved, that he goes out there and they say something extreme? We want to put four new justices, blow up the filibuster and put four new justices on. Well, that's crazy. Well, you know what would be less crazy? Well, in three and a half months when they come back with this report, we don't want to put four justices on. But we want an age limit or time term limit, 15 years or 65. Or... We're just going to add two justices. Not as crazy as we were going to do. It's a compromise from what we said we were going to do. How do you feel about that? Man, I love the way you're thinking on this. I completely love that. And I think there's a lot of merit behind your thought. Now, just do keep this in mind as well, sort of to bolster your, your argument there. This is a court where the average tenure uh, is decades, right? We're talking about three decades on the court. And given the, the relative youth of the Trump appointees, uh, Amy Coney Barrett, uh, Neil Gorsuch, and Brett Kavanaugh, uh, we're looking at a legit 30 years probably uh, per yeah. person. And so what they may be thinking, you're right, is, hey, listen, Ro Khanna, in fact, rolled that out in a conversation I saw yesterday. He said, look, maybe we term limit these people because I think lifetime is unreasonable. 30, 40 years on the bench, nobody should have that kind of power. Uh, although it's been that way for more than 150 years. But I do think something else you said is really catching my attention. This is always about deflection, right? We're going to do something crazy that we come back and say, okay, how about less crazy? Will you be on board with that? Joe Manchin, wink, wink. Kristen Sinema, wink, wink. Uh, I, again, I still just don't think there's enough movement in this town, in Washington, to push that boulder up over the finish line, but it's a fantastic theory. I agree with you. Yeah, so they didn't tell all the Republic, the Democrats because Ro Khanna said that with us, and he said it on television, and so did Henry Cuellar also wasn't read into this plan. Cut 21. 
I think it's a bad idea. Uh, otherwise, and we've seen this in the history. It was tried many years ago. It was rejected. And I think we need to reject it again, because otherwise you're just doing the political experience. One party's in power, doesn't like what the Supreme Court uh, uh, looks like, so therefore they want to add. Yeah. So, as John said, some years from now, the Republicans might want to do the same thing. And when are we going to stop at 50, 60, 70 members of the uh, Supreme yeah. Court? Let's keep it. Let's have uh, elections have consequences. So uh, obviously not all the Democrats are, are in on this. And they, right now there's only a two-vote margin for Democrats in the House. So I'm just yeah, I'm very curious to see if they're trying to get in the way of the message or helping with that message. I'm, I'm a little surprised. The next thing, Kevin, I'm hearing that they're going to roll out is a push to get D.C. as the 51st state. You know, the, and listen, I live in Washington. As a, as a former resident of Murray Hill in New York, I, I appreciate the idea of being in a state, okay? But uh, living in Washington, D.C. is its own animal, and they desperately want not just Washington, D.C., but they want Puerto Rico, too. So, again, it's one of those I agree sort of with your previous statement about maybe the trial balloon is – Hey, we're going to push for Washington, D.C. and Puerto Rico. Now it's more like, well, you know, D.C. statehood, 700,000 people live here. That's more than uh, the states of Wyoming and and probably uh, another small state. So I get the idea, but again, I just – and maybe I'm wrong, but I'm telling you right now, I talk to people a lot on the Hill. In fact, I just had lunch uh, with a senior staffer uh, with a Democrat who would be considered, I guess, a blue dog in the old – in the old days, and she said quite bluntly, that dog won't hunt, Kev, uh, yeah. and there's a lot of reason for it. Despite the fact that people here in D.C. feel like being a state would be good, um, I think there's just as much belief, on the Hill at least, that despite the sort of great conversation about it, there's just not enough support. Maybe people in D.C. could vote uh, in, say, Virginia or vote in, say, Maryland. I mean, we could all just be grafted in that way. That's going to be part of the conversation. But becoming a state could be a bridge too far, my friend. I, I think so, too. And what's good, I think, scares people that aren't knee-deep in the political process or ideologues is so much radical change. Wow, they're going to change yeah. the Supreme Court. They're going to add two more states. They're, they're going to loosen up our borders. Anyone who comes gets to stay. And people go, wait a second. We've got to stop this. This one-party rule has got to end, and that would be called an election. So the other thing I want to bring you to is some of the uh, civil unrest we're seeing in response to police shootings. And mm. uh, Benjamin Crump is weighing in on this a few miles away. You got the Derek Chauvin trial where he took the fifth yesterday. And in Brooklyn Center, in Brooklyn Center, Minnesota, we have now the police officer who mistaked her, her gun for a stun gun and shot a 20-year-old dead who was fleeing from the cops. But yet nobody believes that that was the right move, including – uh, the 26-year veteran police uh, officer who is now uh, staring at a steep uh, uh, some, uh, a murder charge. So looking at this right now, I want you, knowing this situation, tell me if you think Benjamin Krupp is helping or hurting. She did not have to even tase this young man. It was a misdemeanor warrant. They always seem to do the most engaging, the most excessive use of force when it's a marginalized minority. And George Floyd, they could have given him a ticket for this uh, allegation of a $20 uh, fraudulent bill. They could have given him a ticket. They did not have to arrest him. But when it's black people, they seem to engage in the most excessive force, just like the lieutenant in Virginia. 
So how is this uh, reading in Washington, and what is it like on the ground? I can give you a couple of perspectives. First of all, as a person who gets his hair cut at what you would traditionally call a black barbershop. I mean, obviously, people of different right. races and colors come to the barbershop, but most of the barbers in my barbershop are African-American, and I hear conversation because in D.C., politics is more than just sort of a, a conversation that you hear passively. It's a, it's a sport here. And generally, when guys like Benjamin Crump come out, there are two schools of thought. One, yeah, man, he's right. It's always us who are, you know, it's extreme reaction. But then there's also at least my barber, who's an older gentleman, probably 65, 70 years old. He says the same thing. It's tired, meaning this is the same sort of stuff that happens every time. And we've been seeing this for decades, whether it's a Crump or a Sharpton or a Jackson. That's his perspective. So I'll say this. When it comes to excessive force, when it comes to situations like these, your heart really does bleed for the victim because whether they were right or wrong, you don't want to see someone die unnecessarily. Yeah. However, if you are resisting or fleeing, you put yourself at risk. I think people sort of gloss over that, and that seems to me to be lost in the conversation. Very true. Uh, and then you see the police work and then you think to yourself, I've never been, never arrested anybody. And this is a woman yeah. who's not a rookie. She was training a rookie, 26 uh, year old. And by all indications, almost a spotless record. There was one incident and no one finds her culpable. In fact, she represented the police union. And now she's got to have a wire around her house and concrete barriers to protect her and her husband, who also was a police officer. No winners. Yeah. Uh, and I got to see how this comes out. My feeling is when you ask for due process and you're the city manager and you get fired an hour later, I sense emotions are getting the best of this mayor. I think this mayor seems way over his head. I think this is exactly the wrong tack. And we study things like this in case studies in graduate school. The number one thing you're supposed to do is de-escalate. Don't increase the temperature in the room by making rash decisions. And I think, unfortunately, and listen, people make mistakes, sometimes deadly mistakes. But I think an overreaction in this case will simply stoke the fires. And we're seeing that literally and figuratively around the country. I want to bring you to Chicago real quick where a 13-year-old was shot. Uh, it was a while ago, uh, months ago. We did not see the video until yesterday. And as mm. you see the video, you see that the 13-year-old seems to have dropped uh, what they're saying from five feet away. They found a gun right next to his body. You see a policeman in, ch uh, in chase, in pursuit, because, again, Adam Toledo was running away. Uh, while responding to a report of shots fired, he goes and shoots. He finds out he hits the, the – now we know he's a kid, Adam Toledo. He tries to revive him. Sadly, he loses his life. He's in seventh grade. Now, what was happening? They say it's a big Latin Kings area. It's very dangerous for cops. But then they put the video out, and he did not have the gun. and had his hands up at the time. Now – uh, talking to cops, they go, you're running full speed. You don't know if they threw the gun. They don't have a gun. You know they had a gun when he started running away. So you don't know if they're going to start shooting again. It, it is the, actually a, literally a dark alley. So they decide to hold on to this tape. Then it comes out. Here's what Raymond uh, Lopez, a city alderman, told Sean Hannity last night, cut 46. You don't know what was going on in that officer's mind. And responding to the shots, chasing down a suspect and seeing him turn without knowing what happened to the weapon, you know, this very well may have been a justifiable shooting. And I think what is more dangerous, the more dangerous element to all of this is the fact that our mayor, Lori Lightfoot, allowed this video to be kept secret for 16 days 
fueling suspicion and anger in our communities that now we have to try and walk back from and explain the facts over and over to people who will never believe with their own eyes what is on that video. So, uh, Kevin Cork, how much legs does this story have? You know, man, I, I'll just say this, pal. I mean, that I saw the video. We've all seen the video. It breaks your heart in this sense. It's a kid. He's 13, my God. But then you say to yourself, there but for the grace of God go I. If I'm running and I'm a law enforcement officer and, and there's a report of a gun and an assailant is running down a dark alley, you just don't know what you do. You just don't know. I think the real danger for not just Chicago as a community but also the country writ large is every time there is an event like this, it will lead to more violence. And I don't mean just sort of more kids picking up guns and more questions about what in the world was a 13-year-old doing up at that time of night running around with nefarious adults with guns. You just don't know the circumstances. But I'll say this. This is a devastating circumstance for the city of Chicago because anytime there's a lack of full transparency, it does create and germinate more suspicion. I feel terrible for the officer uh, who you could just hear the pain in his voice trying to resuscitate uh, the young man uh, who is deceased. But yep. at the same time, you have to say, you never know what you do in that situation yourself. Absolutely. Not an easy time to be a police officer. But that's one thing is clear. Um, and everyone's got to stop running from the cop, especially with this law enforcement uh, sense that with this criminal justice reform, people are getting mm-hmm. more than their shake uh, when it comes to getting in front of a judge. Kevin Cork, not easy. Thanks so much for wrestling with the headlines with us. Always a pleasure, my friend. Have a great weekend. You got it. Back in a moment, you'll listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. You're with Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Trump may be the last exhibit in the trial, but he wasn't the first. I mean, look at Romney and McCain. They couldn't stand either one of those guys um, until they started criticizing Republicans. They sure as hell didn't like them when they were running for president. So the media likes three kinds of Republicans, the ones that vote with Democrats, the ones that lose, and the ones that die. And dying is just a little bit too much for most of us to curry favor with the media. Now, Trey Gaddy's 100% right, and he put it in a brilliant way, as usual. Uh, I also want you to hear this. This was put together on Special Report. Just talking about it, I know you guys realize this, but maybe seeing it like this and listening to it like this, you fully can appreciate the different tone in Washington uh, between these two presidents. Cut 42. Three and a half years, do you regret it all? All the lying you've done to the American people. All the what? All the lying, all the dishonesties. When you hear these remarks, suckers, losers, recoiling from amputees, what does it tell you about President Trump's soul and the life he leads? Are you being a sore loser? Bailey, are you here as press secretary or Trump advisor? The perception of you that got you elected as a moral, decent man is the reason why a lot of immigrants are coming to this country and entrusting you with unaccompanied minors. Unbelievable, right? You a liar, you sore a sucker, loser. sore loser. Eric, listen on WOKV in beautiful Jacksonville. Eric. 
yes, it is beautiful. I'm waiting for you to do the Rush Limbaugh thing and move down here, Brian. I got to bring um, the old fox with me, so I got to convince Rupert Murdoch. <laughs> um, I just want to remind everybody that back in the very beginning, the, the World Health Organization, the gurus and experts on all this, said that don't worry, this is not communicable to people. Yep. So the de- the blood is on their hands. But I'd like to ask you my first Mostly ever China. sports question. I was out to dinner last night, and they had the WNBA draft all over the place. Where's the transgender women? I don't know. Good point. They're I don't. Not drafting, I, has any, any, they're not drafting any. They're, yeah. Well, I, you know, that's those are the type of sports questions I'm not prepared to answer. I cannot identify the gender transgender women. But in Florida, you bring up a good point, Eric. Your senator and your legislature is voting on banning transgenders from participating in women's sports at any level. The NCAA said, if you do that, no more championships there. And Senator Scott joined me this morning from Florida, former governor, and said, bring it on. You keep your championships. With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the latest minutes of the Brian Kilmeade Show. Happy to be coming to you from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. Yes, the city that has been so good. We've been on our best behavior. We now, we now are allowed to stay out till midnight starting Monday, but not this weekend. Uh, This hour, we're going to be joined by Geraldo. Okay, he's almost ready. He moved out of the city. He couldn't handle the curfew. And Governor Chris Christie, not in the city, but in New Jersey, who knows the city. He's just been named to the Mets Board of Directors. How much, even though he's been governor of New Jersey and ran for president, I imagine this is better than both those things. He actually came out and said something on Twitter, and he just said it again with Laura Ingram last night. He said, why don't Republicans, why are they hesitating to do to Joe Biden exactly what Donald Trump did. They called him a liar every single day. So far, Joe Biden has done one thing, and that's lie, according to Chris Christie. And I will not argue with him. And when you talk about the infrastructure bill, when you talk about what's happening with the $1.9 trillion, they say, aid bill for COVID relief with very little of that. He says he wasn't going to pack the court. Now he's has a commission to take a look at packing the court. And then you see all this stuff that's happening on the Supreme Court steps uh, yesterday. And now we... Uh, we understand, too, uh, we're pulling out of Afghanistan, and I'm going to get Geraldo's take on that. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. The media likes three kinds of Republicans, the ones that vote with Democrats, the ones that lose, and the ones that die. And dying is just a little bit too much for most of us to curry favor with the media. <laughs> Trey guys a riot. Ban. The New York Post story that talks about BLM's leader with four houses worth millions of dollars. Now a banned story. And by the way, can I mention she's a Marxist? How CNN is twisting the truth to destroy Trump and bolster the virus. We got somebody caught on tape talking about it who's a technical director. Facebook and Twitter said, we're not doing that. How long will we stand for this social media bias? Number two. Let's just be fair here. If Donald Trump had come out and called a dog a cat, which is what Joe Biden's doing, we would be outraged by the fact that he's lying. But with Joe Biden somehow, it's like, oh, well, come on, it's Joe. 
Biden's coming up to his 100 days. It was supposed to be a return to normalcy, remember? What we got are anything but normal. Dare I say Abby normal. The latest lark is a court-packing commission morphed into a court-poaching pill. Time for Republicans to speak out. Number one. What measure, what standard, what objective uh, outcome do we have to reach before Americans get their liberty and freedoms back? You know, I, you're indicating liberty and freedom. I look at it as a public health measure to prevent people from dying and going to the hospital. You don't think Americans' liberties have been threatened the last year, Dr. Fauci? It's about time. Dr. Fauci is called out by Jim Jordan for refusing to greenlight fully vaccinated Americans from going back to life. Uh, even those Americans who had it and have the antibodies, why can't they go back to life? He's been wrong more than he's been right as connections emerge now of a direct link to the Wuhan lab. I'll explain. With me right now is Geraldo Rivera. Geraldo, have you been vaccinated? Uh, yes, I'm fully vaccinated. Moderna. Uh, Erica gets her second shot on Sunday. So, Brian, we're uh, we're good to go. So, has it been two weeks since you got that second shot? Oh, yeah. Remember, I went to Florida after I got my first shot, and I had to fly back and interrupt my vacation because I didn't want to lose my appointment, and they refused to give me the shot in Florida because I'm an Ohio resident. So, uh, you know, I got caught up in all they They were so trigger-happy from all the scandals of rich right. people cutting the line uh, that even though I'm an old man and I qualified in every regard, they didn't want to give it to me because I'm too high-profile. So I flew home. I, I did it, and— uh, and uh, then uh, went back to Florida and grew my hair, and now I'm, like, uh, emerging from my cocoon. Uh, no, yeah, you're, uh, you're ready to go. So you should—are you walking around with a mask? Unless the store requires it, does Geraldo Rivera walk around without a mask? Uh, invariably, I wear a mask. Uh, I think that it is—and uh, the reason I do it is politeness. I want to reassure people that I'm not going to sneeze on them or whatever else it is. But I, I see it as good manners, Brian. I, I, it is public health, and it is, I understand, uh, you know, in terms of physics and uh, medicine and everything else, controversial. But it's not controversial in my family. We we wear masks everywhere. and when, Even when we uh, get just, to a restaurant, we don't take the mask off to a city. I, I assume you're being conscientious, but I think you're sending the wrong message. You can't spread the virus. I realize that, but how do strangers know that? You tell That's them. I say, I, but I, I, you know. We I have to stand up. Say, don't worry, don't worry. I, I know I don't have a mask on, but I am fully vaccinated. Or right, or, or then do you believe in vaccine passports? Oh, well. Do you believe that people who are vaccinated should have a ticket that says, uh, here's a green ticket that uh, shows that I'm fully vaccinated? You know, I am uh, against it. I'm holding my. I'm going to hold mine when I get my second shot, and I'm going to wait those two weeks. I just want you to, this is, we're being toyed with. And this is not a conspiracy. This is the CDC, Dr. Rochelle Walensky, last week. Our data from the CDC today suggests, um, you know, that, that vaccinated people do not carry the virus, don't get sick, um, and, and that it's not just in the clinical trials, but it's also in real-world data. Geraldo, stop wearing yeah. the mask. I, I, I'm not going to, Brian, because I, look at the Japan. Japan, uh, you know, uh, pre-COVID, when just the regular life, when you go to go to Japan, you see people walking around routinely with masks. They're doing it to for countering pollution. Uh, they're doing it also because they're very well-mannered uh, uh, people. Uh, I I don't see what the big deal is. It sucks. Why not? You like I, walking I mean, around I, with a mask? Do you work out more, with a mask? You're more ferocious in terms of your civil libertarianism uh, than I. No, no, um, you have you, you have a right not to wear. A mask. I, I do. mean, I what if they that. told you you have to wear stilts? It's polite. 
It would be <laughs> tolite to wear, or rather, please wear stilts. All right? Um, or, or not do any nude selfies. It's, 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 well, no, they don't want to ban that. <laughs> uh, I think that helps America. You know that. Thank you. All right. I had a mask on. <laughs> uh, I'm just looking at this, Geraldo. Uh, uh, Allison just handed me your tweet. Driving New York to Cleveland, hit rest stop with six restaurants, all but one Chick-fil-A closed. Asked competent, polite, busy counterman why other restaurants were closed. 20-something replied, they're all on unemployment. They make us, uh, they make us much staying home. Why not you? You said, and they respond, I like to work. Now, I interviewed two owners of a diner in Ohio. I know. I cited it today on my radio show. Thank you. And, and so this is a real problem, isn't it, Araldo? I think it is really, a, and it's going to get worse, Brian, as the, there's a real crunch right now. I, I, I had the, uh, the barber with three barber shops. He only has two barbers. I had the restaurant owner with three restaurants. He can't staff the, uh, uh, the inside staff. The, the wait staff is also problematic, but to get the cooks and line uh, chefs and so forth, they can't find them. Uh, you, the, w- one business, a guy, a uh, swimming pool business, he said he could be a multimillionaire if he could just staff up. He can't Get, he's offering people 200 a day in cash. He can't. Uh, uh, he can't fully staff it, so he's uh, he's turning down business uh, left and right. I think that this problem is going to be metastasized. I, 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 the aid under the Biden administration was too much, too late. Uh, if, if this had happened, if he had sent this trillions of dollars back in uh, October and November, that would have been different. But to do it now when the country, the the mechanism, the engine of free enterprise is already creating more jobs than we have employees for, which will drive up wages. If Thank you, you care about a yeah. $15 an hour minimum wage, this will happen because there were so few workers, uh, you know, and so many jobs chasing those few available workers, Brian. How do you stand, feel about this? I, I don't know your answer, but I know how tough it is when you get a parent-student loan and you're making your middle class, you get a parent-student loan, and then you get a student-student loan, and you're paying back these exorbitant amounts for these private schools. For example, if you're out of state at the University of Michigan, it's $70,000, so you take out loans because you don't want your kid to miss out on Michigan education. And now for the last year, don't pay back your student loan, and there's a big push to get rid of uh, student loan forgiveness entirely. Do you think like the 35-year-old, how dare they, I just paid mine off? Or do you think, how do you feel? I, I do feel that uh, it's gr- grossly unfair to those who've worked hard. I was famous for three years before I paid off my student loans. Uh, you know, it, it, it took that long to, to pay back. And I think that student loans are given willy-nilly uh, to people who, who spend the money, who don't spend the money on, on the necessities of life but uh, have a pretty good time. And then uh, they graduate and say, guess what? I'm now $200,000 in debt. Uh, you know, you've had that experience for four years. You've had the party, and now you have to pay the consequences. It's, it's, I understand how tough a student loan can be. And I know, I know people who are facing student loans. Thank God uh, in uh, my success I've been able to put my kids through school, but I understand that I'm, I'm unique in that regard. Uh, even though I have five kids, I, I had enough money to make sure that they didn't have any student debt. But I think you have to compromise on it, Brian. I think that we've gone too far down the road now, and I think that we've got a call for vigorous reform of student loans, particularly in the for-profit uh, colleges. But we also – I think that the idea – that Biden had, President Biden had, uh, to give a maximum $10,000 forgiveness on student loans is not a bad idea. It should right. have happened, you know, 
as long as the payment is suspended, it's okay. Uh, but it should happen before payments are resumed to give, uh, you know, it, it's a nice compromise. It's not, I don't, I, but I don't I'm just saying if you could buy, it, yeah. My point it's is, a nice compromise. right, so you get the $300 if you're unemployed in your 20s, and you got the $1,400 payment perhaps too, that one time hit. And then right. you don't have to pay back a student loan. Of course, I'm not going to go to a, a Friday's and put on the striped shirt and start waiting on tables with my True. no nukes button on. So, uh, so, so that just adds to it all. Uh, uh, Governor Christie is going to be my guest in 20 minutes, and you know he's an awesome guest. He speaks his mind. Terrific. Tell me if you think I, this. I yeah, uh, tell me if you think this has gone too far or right on the money. Cut 34. You cannot call a 400 billion dollar plan to force unionization in states to say that taking care of increasing Medicaid payments in states is infrastructure. Now, language does matter. We learned that in the last four years, how you use it and what you say. And I said last week that the president's not telling the truth, and he's not telling the truth about the infrastructure package. This is the care economy. This is care infrastructure. It's baloney. And he looks at the $1.9 trillion, which had very little to do with COVID, had all this other stuff into it. They were Democratic agenda items. This is two things in a row in packages that he's jamming down people's throat and he's mislabeling. Do you think he's wrong to say he is a liar? I I, I don't like that that, that term. Uh, you know, even though it was used against my friend Donald Trump, I, I say I say this that, that I I helped advocate truth in lending uh, bills that uh, forced lending institutions to to disclose in, true interest rates. So it's truth in lending. I want truth in. Government. I want the government, when it says it's doing infrastructure, to use the classic definition as people accept what infrastructure is, bridges, highways, tunnels. God knows. I mean, I just drove from New York to Cleveland that we need infrastructure, the, the bridges that are rotted, uh, uh, you know, railroads. Right. Uh, but that, in the big, uh, pic- but big picture, Haldo, but big and, picture. Do you, I, I, be, I, I, add I, in this. What about – I'm going to add one more thing before you answer, and that is Jim Crow on steroids, looking at the Georgia law. You look at these three things. These are not truthful descriptions of what's been jammed down our throats. Is, is he not doing everything he said he wouldn't do? Level with the American people and always tell the truth. I, I think that you're, you're absolutely correct. I deplore hype and propaganda. Uh, the, the Georgia situation is so tragic. And, and what happened in Georgia, though, I think this fault on both sides, just very briefly, I, 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 what was being proposed initially was a, a very uh, uh, intrusive on, on people's voting rights. It was making voting too difficult. But the law as revised is totally appropriate and very similar to laws in blue states right now, like the, the president's home state of Delaware or, or New York. Uh, I, and I, I, it's, it's more a, a, a foistering confrontation and conflict needlessly uh, by, by being deceptive. And, uh, uh, you, you know, if you call it a lie, it's a little rough, and I didn't like it during Trump. I don't like it now. Uh, but I definitely suggest to President Biden uh, that the infrastructure package, for example, be split 
propose all those fine, uh, compassionate ideas and let them rise or fall on their merits. But infrastructure is that is the with the guy with the hammer and the nails. That's infrastructure. The guy that's mixing cement. That's infrastructure. You know, uh, taking care of mama's psychiatrist is not ah, infrastructure. Thank you. All right, we agree, Geraldo. Uh, I guess during that ride, not only did you have a great tweet, you have um, better insight better than ever. No confrontation. Life is good. <laughs> like I said, it's my safe space. I love, I love talking. All right. Geraldo, thanks so much. Uh, back right. in a moment. Governor Christie in 10. Your call's next. Both sides, all opinions. It's Brian Kilmeade. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. If this stuff works, why can't you live like it works? Why are you wearing a mask? Well, what's the answer, Dr. Fauci? What we don't know right now, but we will know as we gather more information, that you can get infected even though you've been vaccinated, and because you're vaccinated, have no symptoms. And therefore, you could have virus in your nasopharynx, and you could then transmit it inadvertently to somebody else. You believe this? I don't believe it. They told me it three weeks ago or a month ago. He says, I'm evaluating the data. Remember that big conversation we had, and I ended up right, where I said, of course, you can go visit your grandchildren, and we went back and forth with that. So then I hear Dr. Walensky say this on MSNBC, and I'll play it again for, for those who were listening earlier. Cut four. Our data from the CDC today suggests, um, you know, that, that vaccinated people do not carry the virus, don't get sick, um, and, and that it's not just in the clinical trials, but it's also in real-world data. Okay. Come on. She later would come back and try to walk that back. What are you walking back? It's in the two different ways she cited in the data and from what they've seen from clinical trials. So that's what drives people crazy. You want me to go get vaccinated and do everything the exact same. Go work out in a mask. Go walk into buildings in a mask. Walk on the street with a mask. No, excuse me. I'm sorry. Two masks. He's wearing two masks being fully vaccinated. Joe Biden walking in a graveyard in Arlington by himself with two masks, fully vaccinated, is not a good message for the American people. He's ulti- he, they say he's the ultimate anti-vaxxer uh, emblem. Because why should I get masks if my life's still going to suck? Alex in Silicon Valley. Hey, Alex. Yeah, I just wanted to say it's easy to blame Democratic politicians for really bad policies, but they're not the the entity that deserves the primary uh, blame. It's its the voters, the constituents, because the politicians are just doing what the constituents want. And if we want to so. know... Alex, I don't think so. Where have they been poll tested with this? I mean, if they were that confident in what they're doing, they wouldn't bury all this green stuff in an infrastructure package. Well, they want to get reelected, don't they? So they wouldn't do something that would cause them to, to not be reelected. So what I'm, what I'm saying is that if you want to look for the cause of these, the, the, the root cause of these bad policies and why they're so much worse nowadays than 20 or 30 years ago, 
look into what, how the demographics of those voters have changed. So what has changed? And I think Tucker Carlson hit it on the head when he pointed out that the change in demographics in California resulted in the change in our society here. That's where I live in California. So anyway, yeah. that's, that's my All thought. All right. Uh, thanks, Alex. Appreciate it. Over in Silicon Valley. Always uh, love to go from 3,000 miles away and get a perspective outside uh, the Big Apple. Uh, 1-866-408-7669. Back with Governor Chris Christie. Then your calls. You listen to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Appreciate you being here. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. that makes you think this is the brian kilmeade show and it also will enable us to do justice and to rectify the great injustice that was done in packing the court and some people will say we're packing the court we're not packing it we're unpacking it he's a genius he's great with a phrase too and always so delightful to be around always with a big smile on his face congressman uh, jerry nadler who's a uh, chairman of a committee along with the chairman of another committee senator markey these aren't two lightweights on the uh, supreme court steps hoping to get across a policy that we don't think uh deserves any of our time and that is packing the court making the supreme court le- uh, uh, less effective because they're angry that Donald Trump was able to seat Supreme two, three Supreme Court justices. Joining us now, another great legal mind, former governor of New Jersey. We're happy to have him back. Governor Chris Christie, welcome. Uh, Brian, at your instruction, I'm bringing the A-game this morning. Right. Uh, you always tweet out with your, your immense followers. You're coming on. So I just want to make sure that you're a competitor, that you're not going to phone it in. Because you were up late no with way, Laura buddy. Ingram last night. No. Listen. Laura Ingram warms me up, and now I'm ready for Kill Me. All right. Thank you. All right. So tell me about what your thought process was when you saw that press conference with Senator Markey, Nadler, and a few others yesterday about court packing. Well, let me tell you something. Jerry Nadler should spend less time in front of the TV cameras and more time reading the history books. Uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt tried to do this when he was unhappy with the court. Um, It wasn't successful for him. And if FDR can't pull it off, I'm sure as heck not worried about Jerry Nadler and Ed Markey. Um, in, in the end, I think that uh, the smarter people in Congress will prevail on this one, and we're not going to see this happen. And, you know, look, the, the problem for the Democrats is that, you know, these openings happened, three openings, unusual to happen in a four-year period, but they did. Donald Trump filled them. They got confirmed in the way that, you know, to be frank, uh, they got confirmed in the way that Harry Reid wanted judges to be confirmed, not with 60 votes or more, but with a simple majority. So, you know, I know there are lots of people who warned them back when Harry Reid changed this to help Barack Obama that he was not going to like the results of it when the worm turned the other way. And it has. And right. uh, it's too bad for them. Hey, you know, Governor, you know politics better than I ever will, but I see a bigger plan. Say something extraordinary, like we're going to add four justices and demand it and bring out the political rhetoric. But then when your commission comes back, your 36-person commission that you claim is bipartisan, but it's not, they have something less sensationalistic, like term limits or maybe two Supreme Court justices. Suddenly the public might be more amenable to 
uh, to maybe subscribe to this. Congressman Ro Khanna brought I brought this up to me yesterday. I have been for term limits. I uh, I think that a, the proposal I have has been uh, 18 years as a as a as a Supreme Court justice. By the way, I'm for term limits for members of Congress and senators as well. Uh, I just think. Uh, if you're in public service, these are it's a democracy. These aren't lifetime positions. So do you uh, see what I'm saying? Uh, then a rational human yeah. being like Ro Khanna comes out and says this, and suddenly this becomes part of everyday banter. Well, let's talk about both those things. I think adding two justices, there's more of a risk of that happening than term limits, because term limits would have to be a constitutional change, Brian. Um, right now, um, it says that ju- judges and justices at the federal level are appointed for life, um, and that says it in the Constitution. So you'd have to make a constitutional amendment, which I think is is absolutely un- not only unlikely but almost impossible. Now, adding two more justices as a quote-unquote compromise um, might be something that would be more appealing to some other people. But I really do believe that Republicans will be able to beat that back because I think there's lots of Democrats who would say, you know what? If the Republicans take back the Congress in 2022, um, they're going to turn around and they're going to add some more. And where do we stop? Um, So I do think that this won't happen. um, And I certainly don't believe that term limits will happen. That needs a constitutional amendment. And I think that's highly unlikely to happen. But this should tell you elections have consequences, Brian. And when we didn't keep our eyes focused on what we needed to do in Georgia, when we were looking in the rearview mirror rather than looking to the future, it cost us these things, the $1.9 trillion COVID package, the increased taxes that Joe Biden wants, the 2.25 fake fake infrastructure plan. I mean, elections have consequences, and we should have had our eye on the ball in Georgia. And we better keep our eye going straight forward to taking Congress back in 2022. Governor, what I find unbelievable is that Ben Sass is a true conservative, and I think Mitt Romney's a conservative, too, and Liz Cheney, who I'm a fan of, is a conservative. They don't like Donald Trump's style and his tweets, and no one can get behind January 6th. I get it. But when he's there for three and a half years, he's doing conservative things that they want to see done, and he's remarkably effective in getting it done despite the lawsuits. How come they can't see that if you're too conservative, look at where the country is going not over the uh, and past the personality? Well, listen, I was in front of a large group of House members just two days ago at the Republican study group, and one of the things I said to them was, If the last 11 weeks have not proven to us that fighting amongst ourselves is destructive for the party, but more importantly, destructive for the country, we need to get behind telling the truth to the American people about our conservative principles. Because if we do, we're going to do fine and we're going to win more elections than we're going to lose. But if we're continuing to kill each other internally, um, that kind of stuff is just unacceptable. And what we're doing is creating a, a situation where the Democrats can now put forward their agenda in an aggressive way, which is exactly what they're doing. And the reason they're moving so fast, Brian, is they're afraid they're going to lose the Congress in 2022, and they're going to try to get everything done they can get done. I mean, it's been 12 weeks now Joe Biden's been office. It seems like 12 months with everything they're trying to get done here. And and we created this problem, so we got to come together, tell the truth to the American people, call them out on the lies they're putting out there, and stop the madness. Here's an example of what drives me crazy, because Joe Biden, as president of the United States, vice president, everyone's like, 
well, you know, he's not the greatest intellect in the world, but it's hard not to like Joe Biden, and he's going to be a straight arrow. And he told us he'd never lie to us and admit when he's wrong. But yet he's saying things like this. This is Jim Crow on steroids, what they're doing in, in Georgia and 40 other states. What it's all about. Imagine passing a law saying you cannot provide water or food for someone standing in line to vote. Can't do that? Come on. Or you're going to close a polling place at 5 o'clock when working people just get off? This is all about keeping working folks and ordinary folks that I grew up with from being able to vote. It's totally It's totally untrue. Blatant. Brian, I'm going to ask you to do something for me. Stop with the untruth stuff. It's a lie. He's lying. And let me tell you this. That's, call, that's like calling a cat a dog, what he just said. The polls in Georgia are going to be open till 7 o'clock, as they always have been. The law about not giving out food or water is, is only restricted to partisan groups. You're not allowed to election, electioneer within 150 feet of the polling place. Guess what? The same law exists in Delaware. The same law exists in New Jersey. You didn't see him yelling and screaming about Delaware. Um, 17 days of early voting in Georgia. Yet Stacey Abrams was in my state of New Jersey praising my successor for the great law he passed, which allows for nine days of early voting, half the amount of early voting as there is in Georgia. Uh, drop boxes for ballots are now a permanent part of Georgia, uh, Georgia elections. They never had drop boxes before the 2020 election. So please, Joe Biden is lying. To call it Jim Crow is to insult all those people who were victimized by real Jim Crow tactics um, back in our history. Um, this is pure baloney from Joe Biden. He's lying, and he's lying to stoke racial divisions in our country to try to benefit his party. It's unacceptable. I'm out there calling it a lie, and I wish everybody else would do the same thing. Because you know, Brian, if it was Donald Trump saying this stuff, that's exactly what the mainstream media and politicians would be doing. Absolutely. So, Governor, I watch you every Sunday, and your sound bites roll on our show on Monday, more than even Fox News Sunday. And I'm wondering, in the breaks, you're, you're not using rhetoric. You're looking at these examples and saying exactly what you said. What does George Stephanopoulos say to you in the break? Like, um, you're right, Chris. I mean, what do they say to you? You have facts on your side. This is three weeks in a row. You've been just blistering them with the, with, and you're the only one doing it on every Sunday on any Sunday show. What do they no, say? I, to you? They, they don't say anything. when we go to break. They don't say a thing. And you know why? Because I'm telling the truth. They don't look at me and say, you know, George tried to interrupt me this past Sunday and say, are you sure you want to use the word lie? And I said, yes. And the reason I want to use this, has the rules changed? People, I sat here and listened to people around this table call Donald Trump a liar over and over and over again without any hesitation. Yet when Joe Biden calls this Jim Crow, when the voting laws in his own home state are much more restrictive than they are in the state of Georgia, um, I'm, I, I'm not permitted to call that a lie and call him a liar. Well, I'm sorry. Uh, just because it's Joe Biden and he's a nice guy right. um, doesn't mean that he gets a pass from me. And I, and I'm, that's what I said to these Republican House members. It's time to put the you know put him to the test, take the gloves off, and let's get to it when he's not telling the truth. If there's ways we can work together on infrastructure and other things, we should absolutely work together. But not if he's going to lie about this stuff. Um, when called a COVID bill, when only 10% of the money in the COVID bill goes to health care. 
couple other things. Now, I know you're going to be outraged by this, but I, I want to know what you're going to do about it. Facebook has censored the New York Post again. They did a story full of facts and figures backed up by realtors about Black Lives Matter co-founder Paris Khan Kohlers, who's a Marxist, proud to be a Marxist. Suddenly, she's got four multi-million dollar houses. They talked about this. They even quote Hawk Newsom, another member of Black Lives Matter, and he indicates he's disturbed by it. They have now banned that story from Facebook. The statement to Tucker Carlson showed the content was removed for violating privacy and personal information policy. What do you – Facebook has all the cards on social media, the, the, the behemoth of global social media entities. What do you do? This is clearly unjust. This is why we have to get rid of the exemption and the protection for these social media pro- companies um, that Congress put in years and years ago. When they said that all they were going to be was bulletin boards, they were not going to be editors, so they couldn't be held responsible. Well, they're editors now. They're making these decisions of what can be on and what can't be on and who can say what and who can't say something else. Well, then you should be held responsible in our courts. People should be able to go in. New York Post should be able to go in and sue Facebook and say, you cannot prevent us from being on your site. You don't have a basis for doing it. And because of this exemption that Congress put in years ago, um, that, that no longer is a, a, they're not available to, uh, to the New York Post. We should make Facebook have to be, and Twitter, and Instagram, and all of these other sites, they should have to be responsive right. to legal process. Governor, but right now they're protecting Democratic and left-wing causes they have a vote in this democracy. They're never going to agree to that. Is there anything legally you can do as Bill Jones listening right now who now gets censored? Or if you're another if you're the New York Post, can you sue to get that out? Like how do you what does that lawsuit look like currently? It's very tough because of the because of the uh, the exemption they have under federal law. So if I were the New York Post, I would bring a suit. But I would, as a, as the lawyer, I would tell them it's going to be an uphill climb because of the uh, the exemption that Congress gave to these social media companies years and years ago when they promised not to be editors but only to be bulletin boards for other people's opinions. Therefore, they shouldn't be held liable for those opinions. Well, now they're acting as editors, Brian. And I know that the Democrats in Congress won't act right now, but I'm I'm telling you, we do things the right way. We will have Congress back in 2022, and when we do, um, that should be near the top of the agenda to get done. What do you see your role being in that? I know you got the ABC contract to make sure you can write a book out there. You were media presence. Where do you? And I know you're with the Mets board too, which is a labor of love. But where, what role do you see yourself having? I'm going to continue to speak out. I'm going to use the platform I have on ABC. The platform I have on social media, as long as they don't cancel me, um, and and do everything I can by coming on programs like yours and others to speak out. And you know, uh, Brian, my entire public career, I've been someone who has not minced words. I say exactly what I think and what I believe, and I'm not worried about getting blowback for it. Um, and you know, part of that is 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 the experience I've had. Uh, in government, but part of it's just being a Jersey guy, and we're used to this stuff. And so I'm going to continue to speak out, and I'm going to go to places like the Republican Study Group and speak to 80 House members, as I did the other day, and say to them, they got to get tough too, and they got to stand up, and everyone's got to be speaking out because the public needs to understand these issues. More than anything else, Brian, we deserve the truth as Americans, and I'm going to keep giving Americans the truth. All right, Governor, and hopefully you'll be able to keep uh, keep coming on. You keep that radio carve out. Is that all right? 
you bet, baby. I'm never, I'm never going to give up the ability to come on Kill Me. You can guarantee that. And, and I'll tell you something else. What we need this weekend is for it to stop snowing in Denver so the Mets can play some baseball games. Hey, they're in first place. Ever since Christy hopped on the board, they're in first place. Let me tell you something. The big, I gave him big mo, Brian. You know that. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> always so selfless of you to take full credit for the Mets' success. That's exactly right. And when they start to lose, Brian, you won't be able to book me on the program. Exactly. Or you got to like, hey, I'm just a board member. Brian, don't blame me. You exactly got it. right. You blame exactly your son because right. he's also in the front office. Governor Chris That's Christie. Exactly right. Thanks so much. Brian, Appreciate it. Great weekend, my friend. Have a great weekend. All right. And give him hell Sunday. Back in a moment. Educating. Entertaining. Enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. But I wouldn't want a desk because I have great legs, and that would hurt the ratings. I would probably wear shorts to show my calves. This morning was particularly disgusting because Kilmeade came in in his Daisy Dukes. And, you know, it's where the pockets oh. are The pockets are actually longer than the cutoff. I hate that. So it's like they look like two yeah. sheep tongues dripping down. It's disgusting. We're going to have to send Kilmeade the employee handbook, aren't we, Dagan? <laughs> <laughs> you, I don't get close enough to him to give him a, the employee handbook. I'll leave that up to you. Explain to me what just happened. That was the five last night? Well, I mean, what sounds like it's happening is that you're impressed with your calves and you've been walking around the office when, with when shorts on. When did I on. say that? I said that on television or I say that on this you show? You said that on the show. About a standing desk, I think we were talking about if you had your own, own show, you'd want a standing desk and wear shorts so you can show off your calves. But now it sounds like you're walking around in Daisy Dukes around Gutfeld and Jesse and Dagan. They were talking about me. <laughs> Well, they were talking about the story was how um, men's short shorts are becoming like a fashionable again. No way. And Is that, that true? Well, I mean, I don't know if it's really true, right? They show The Rock and then they show, um, you know, the dad from This Is Us in short shorts. And then they said that you've been walking around in Daisy Dukes. <laughs> <laughs> and then you found that clip. Yes, to be fair, Pete found the one of you in Daisy Dukes, and then maybe we remembered you talking about your great calves from last week. And <laughs> That's together. true. <laughs> it's hard. But you know what? No one, no one's hit me with four Pinocchios on that. Nice. They do, I think, have great calves. <laughs> Kelly, listening on WDBO. Hey, Kelly. Hey, good morning. Uh, first time I got through, long-time listener. Thank I you. have to think you're pretty sharp. So I was going to throw this out there. With all the police situations going on, why don't they set up some kind of system? You're getting pulled over by the police that you call a number and you document it. If you have nothing to hide, you should have nothing to be afraid of. All these situations that turn deadly are usually because, A, the guy's afraid, B, he's doing something illegal. Yeah, I mean, I even heard the Virginia cop might have had a gun in the car. Uh, the, the Virginia uh, National Guardsman who was pulled over uh, had a gun in the car, but that, that police officer was filed. Bottom line is, I I don't know if a phone call is going to be worth it, but I know you're thinking out of the box because it is a problem. Cops are scared. Uh, If you saw what happened in New Mexico, one was executed. And then if you see what's happened, the others have legal problems. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. 
From the Fox News Radio studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. Uh, we are going to have a big hour. Shannon Bream has been scrambled to inform you about what's on her mind. Fox News legal analyst and anchor of uh, her show now has moved to uh, midnight on Fox News Channel. The Woman of the Bible is still a bestseller. Congratulations for, to her on that. And more importantly, she has another area of expertise we're going to explore because America can't get enough. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. The media likes three kinds of Republicans, the ones that vote with Democrats, the ones that lose, and the ones that die. And dying is just a little bit too much for most of us to curry favor with the media. Exactly. Trey Gowdy. Banned. That's a New York Post story that talks about BLM's leader with four houses worth millions of dollars. It's now a banned story. Why? How CNN, by the way, is twisting the truth when they went out to destroy Trump and bolster the virus. That story's emerged. Facebook and Twitter have decided that is fake news, even though it's caught on camera. How long will we stand for this? Number two. Let's just be fair here. If Donald Trump had come out and called a dog a cat, which is what Joe Biden's doing, we would be outraged by the fact that he's lying. But with Joe Biden somehow, it's like, oh, well, come on, it's Joe. Uh, Governor, that is Joe Biden. Of course, that's Governor Christie. Coming up to 100 days, it was supposed to be a return to normalcy, remember? What we got and what we're getting is, to put it kindly, abnormal. The latest lark is a court-packing commission morphed into a court uh, poaching bill. Time for Republicans to speak out. Number one. What measure, what standard, what objective uh, outcome do we have to reach before Americans get their liberty and freedoms back? You know, you're indicating liberty and freedom. I look at it as a public health measure to prevent people from dying and going to the hospital. You don't think Americans' liberties have been threatened the last year, Dr. Fauci? Uh, The answer is yes, but it's about time. Dr. Fauci is called out by Jim Jordan for refusing to greenlight vaccinated Americans from going back to life as they remember it. What about those with antibodies? He's been wrong more than he's been right. As connections emerge at the direct link to the Wuhan lab, I'll explain. Uh, But we're right now with Shannon Bream. Hey, Shannon. Good morning, Brian. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Uh, I want to play you something that you probably are not familiar with, but although you're familiar with Megan Kelly and she's got her podcast on and we're looking at this coronavirus and you know, I've been a huge critic of Dr. Fauci. I have no idea why he goes on television all the time. I have no idea why he's wrong and refuse to answer the direct question. First, I want people at home to hear the brawl uh, that happened yesterday. Cut one. In your written statement, you say now is not the time to pull back on masking, physical distancing and avoiding congregate settings. When is the time? When do Americans get their freedom back? Can you put your microphone on, please? When we get the level of infection in this country low enough that it is not a really high threat. What is low enough? Give me a number. When do we get to the point, what measure, what standard, what objective uh, outcome do we have to reach before, before Americans get their liberty and freedoms back? You know, I, you're indicating liberty and freedom. I look at it as a public health measure to prevent people from dying and going to the hospital. You don't think Americans' liberties have been threatened the last year, Dr. Fauci? They've been assaulted. So it ended up getting even uglier with Maxine Waters saying this. Cut to. I don't look at this as a liberty thing, Congressman Jordan. What number do we get our liberties back? Tell me the number. Tell me the number. I'd like my question answered. It expires, sir. If you need to respect the chair and shut your mouth. Unbelievable. 
your take on that, Jen? I know you played it last night. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a question that every American deserves answered. I don't think it's unreasonable. Um, you know, it, Dr. Fauci has his opinion. He is a scientist. He's a medical guy. And, and right, he is not a constitutional specialist. His his area of expertise is not worrying about um, the impingement on our freedoms, our liberties, that kind of thing. He's not even supposed to worry about balancing. I mean, that's not, that's not what he does. He's a medical and scientific guy. Um, but I think most people out there think, well, that's not who sets government policy. We have elected lawmakers. We have a constitution, and you got to find the balance in how those things work together. But I do think people want an answer. If, if the testing rate reaches a certain percentage, if we're at a certain number of cases, just tell people, because for a year, people have thought each thing is going to be the thing that allows us to go back to, quote, normal life. There is always going to be risk, always, always. Um, this thing is not going to go away completely. We can't get to zero. That's just not realistic under any scenario. So, you know, we were told that when the vaccines come, it's going to be so exciting. We get our lives back. Then everybody's told if you still have the vaccine, even with that, you got to keep your mask on and still not do these gatherings or go out to dinner or that kind of stuff. I mean, at some point, I think it's only going to create a crazier, deeper divide because people feel so misled and they're exhausted. They are exhausted of trying to manage their yeah. work at home, their kids at home. There's got to be an end date for people. Shannon, for you, for me, I mean, basically, why is Fauci wearing a mask by himself on a table when almost everybody is 100 mm-hmm. feet away or on remote? I mean, come on, well, we got to stop doing this. The dumb- He's doing the double mask thing now, and you'll remember when he was at the Nats game, and there was all these pictures of of him, um, when he was sitting there with his mask completely pulled down right next to people and talking to people. So I think Americans are just weary when when you tell them they can't go to church and their kids can't go to school, and you go to French Laundry, or you go get your hair done, or you go to a game and take your mask off. It just frustrates people because I think people are willing to sacrifice, and certainly in the beginning, we all wanted to do everything we possibly could. But if we don't think the people setting the rules are following them, too, it makes it much harder to, you know, right. feel like we're in it together. Yeah, yeah. The thing, do you wear a mask out? Um, I Only if I go into a store that requires it, I do. But, like, this morning I went out running. I'm not wearing a mask no going way. running. But I have to – in my gym, I have to wear a mask. Those are the rules. Yeah, I do, But too. not in Florida. And yesterday, um, I was doing a particularly uh, difficult leg workout, and um, I just had to go in the corner and pull my mask off. You know, yeah. I mean, it was like, I cannot breathe. Right. Um, and I tried to stay away from everybody and, and do it, you know, respectfully. But I was like, I literally am going to pass out if I don't pull this mask down and just get a little and, bit of oxygen. And how about this, Shannon? You're really not doing the right thing by wearing the mask. What I'm trying right. to say is I'm willing to sacrifice if it makes sense. But right. just remember, they you talk about the politics of the Trump CDC. This is Dr. Rochelle Walensky last week. Cut for our data from the CDC today suggests, um, you know, that that vaccinated people do not carry the virus, don't get sick, um, and, and that it's not just in the clinical trials, but it's also in real-world data. Hey, I thought Anthony Fauci was for real-world data. She was forced to walk that back, evidently. She was. Everything that she has said that's in any way hopeful or positive gets walked back about schools, about masks, or about anything. And I'm like, she's the director of the CDC, and we are told, again, it's about the science and follow the science. But every time she's kind of cracked open the window of hope and shaking off some level of government control, there's an immediate statement or response that it's not accurate or it's not the full picture or, right, she, she misstated something. And it's that's not right. And the thing is, she cited two different areas uh, that we should not be wearing a mask. 
And why is it that Fauci's allowed to get away with this? So Josh Rogan of the Washington Post has a book out. Megyn Kelly interviews him on her podcast. And it's a long interview. But bottom line is, Anthony Fauci's got ties to the Wuhan lab. What's the best cut to run? for uh, uh, 13? Let's, let's listen to this. What you have to understand is that this body of research, this gain-of-function research, the whole world of virologists, and I, I, I came to learn a lot about how this operates over the last year and a half of writing this book. It's very insular, okay? And I often talk to scientists who say the same thing. They say, listen, we really want to speak out about this, but we can't do it. Why can't we do it? Well, we get all of our funding from NIH or NIAD, which is the National Association for Infectious Diseases, which is run by Dr. Fauci for years and years and years. And so we can't say anything like, oh, gain-of-function research might be dangerous or it might have come from the lab because we're, we're going to lose our, our careers. We're going to lose our funding. We're not going to be able to do the work. People like to say, oh, the scientists all think this. But there's a whole bunch of science. More and more are coming out, actually, and you see them every day. And Redfield's uh, uh, sort of signal was like, this is okay to do. You can say this. And, you know, but, but still, they get attacked for being racist or whatever, and they might lose their funding. And the head of that pyramid, the head of the funding, the head of the entire field really is Anthony Fauci. He's the godfather of gain-of-function research as we know it. Now, that, again, just what I said there, is like too hot for, you know, TV because people don't want to think about the fact that our hero of the pandemic, Dr. Fauci, might also have been connected to this research, which might also have been connected to the outbreak. Do you believe this? The name of the book is Chaos Under Heaven. He was able to, you know, leave the Washington Post and CNN, I guess, and do an interview with, with Brett, uh, but that's who he was talking to Megan Kelly in our podcast. Mm-hmm. Take care of all that in, Shannon. I'm not sure if they're going to ban. I'm being honest. I'm not sure if they're going to ban that podcast from uh, from Amazon or from Apple or wherever you get your podcast. Are you allowed to say that Dr. Fauci doesn't walk on water? In fact, he might be compromised. I would not be surprised to see that censored um, because everything that um, kind of walks that line tends to um, disappear or be silenced or be classified as misinformation. Um, So I don't know. I I would hope that in this day and age that, you know, as much as there's been screaming about freedom of the press – uh, and respecting reporting, um, I think that's the kind of thing we have to have out there for discussion. I mean, it used to be that journalism was digging for the truth on stories. And if something as important as this, it shouldn't be politicized. It shouldn't be us versus them. It should just be what's the truth about Why can't the situation. We ask him? I, I did not know he was that how that's how he was linked to the Wuhan lab. In other <laughs> words, he provided three point four billion dollars to the Wuhan lab. And they were doing some activities there as late as 2015 that were considered dangerous and risky. And they'll Obama administration basically said, knock that off. And this has come out of that lab. We can't get answers about that lab. Do you think a guy giving billions of dollars to it should? If I was him, I'd be in a hazmat suit over there telling everyone I gave grants to them. They better come clean or I'm taking them back. I mean, I feel like you, more than anyone, would have the bully pulpit to go in there and, and have those conversations. I mean, you know, China did not let outside people in for a year for a year. I mean, how much? It, it's like with Iran when, when they say, sure, you can come look at our nuclear facilities, but we have to have like 800 days advance warning, and yeah. then we, we get to decide when you come here. Like, how much can we really trust any of the information we get from these uh, authoritarian regimes? Uh, I just want to play a little of another one. Uh, here's more from Josh Rogan, Cut 10. The plan is to take that research, that Peter Desert research, and spend $1.2 billion expanding it sixfold. Okay? What? The Global Virome Project, that is the response. That is the plan response. $200 million 
which failed to under the PREDICT program, it's called PREDICT, which failed to predict, much less preempt the pandemic. They're now going to times it by six and throw $1.2 billion into it. And I, I swear to God, dig up 500,000 new viruses that are transmissible to humans in the wild and take them to labs and play around with them. That's the no. plan. That Wait, is exactly whose plan? Whose plan? The world's plan. Global Virome Project is an international project heavily supported by, guess you guessed it, Peter Daszak and Anthony Fauci and all the rest of them, all the people who have made their careers in virology based on this idea that... Uh, tell me you're comfortable with this. Well, here's my question. If this was happening by somebody who was, quote, Trump's guy, President Trump's guy, which Dr. Fauci never was, I think they coexisted and did the best they could. But if this was, if Fauci was considered a GOP guy, a Republican, or a Trump guy, first of all, I think we would have heard this stuff a lot sooner. And I think it would be headlines all over the place, like what is the motivation of this guy or what's his connection? Um, I think those questions would be asked uh, if Dr. Fauci was seen as somebody who aligned with conservatives or with the right. Unbelievable. Lastly, uh, besides the world pandemic, the world was shocked to find out one of the bachelors came out as gay. This was how many months since he was been on, Allison? Do you know? Do you have your fact checkers? Okay, you aren't watching, but you do know. Tell me what's going on here. Is that allowed? Do you get fined? I just think, like, this, the, this is, of course, the twist that would happen because this show is not, quote, the most dramatic rose ceremony ever. Like, the only way to take it to another level is to then reveal to all of the um, opposite sex people who have been on this, you know, roller coaster train wreck with this guy that, surprise, he wasn't really into you anyway. That's, you know, it's ah. just. I mean, I, I stopped watching The Bachelor a long time ago because, listen, in the beginning, I dug it. I was cheering for these precious, innocent couples to make it. But when I saw a pattern that six months after the final rose ceremony, when you find out who they picked and everything, literally six weeks later, they were on Us magazine announcing their breakup. You know, I, I just I, – I couldn't take the emotional roller coaster, and I had to, to you know – get some distance from that. But yes, I've heard all about this with this latest guy. And I was like, well, okay, that is the epic twist of all time for Bachelor. But of course, now everybody says, okay, will he be the first gay Bachelor? And now we're going to have the Bachelor season. You know, um, I, that's that, maybe that's the next step in the Bachelor, Bachelor franchise. They're trying to branch out and be more diverse and exciting and interesting. And that would be a first. By me talking about the Bachelor, am I more exciting and interesting? Um, I don't know if it's possible for you to get more exciting and interesting. I think you've maxed out on that. Thank you. You just skirted around the issue brilliantly. You could be a politician. Well, Shannon Breen, we're going to get details of your leg workout that had you take your mask off, which is oh, the gosh. scandal it is the scandal of a lifetime for Shannon Bream. The People name are of talking her, about it at the gym. Right. By the way, the name of her book, which is a bestseller, The Women of the Bible Speak, The Wisdom of 16 Women and Their Lessons for Today. It's also a special on Fox Nation, which you're being seen on right now, where I am. Uh, you just, so. your voice is being seen. Shannon, right. congratulations on the book. Thank you, my friend. Have a great weekend. All right. Good luck. When we come back, your calls, 1-866-408-7669. Giving you everything you need to know. It's Brian Kilmeade. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Dr. Fauci, the hero of the pandemic, might also have had a role 
in the research that may have caused the pandemic. That's a big, you know, kerplock. That's a, what we call a, like a, like a, a big matzo ball to think about. You know, people can't get it through their heads, mm-hmm. but that's the reality. The point is that, you know, we, we, we're not, we don't have a media environment where we can have that kind of discussion where we can say, okay, listen, you know, scientists are good people. They were trying to prevent the pandemic. Maybe their research got out of hand. Maybe in this Chinese lab, we, there was a bunch of other stuff going on, as the Biden administration and the Trump administration said. And maybe we got to get to the bottom of it. Is that too much to ask? Josh Rogan of the Washington Post, welcome to our world. That's exactly what you deal with regularly. And he's worried about being canceled, or he says that this is the type of thing that gets you canceled when you talk about Anthony Fauci. Facebook canceled a story that talked about the BLM founder, Marxist, self-proclaimed Marxist, suddenly with four multi-million dollar houses. They said it violates the privacy rule. Have you even looked at page six? You wouldn't even have a page six if people worried about privacy rules. Who ever heard of privacy? He, she's a public figure who suddenly has got four multi-million dollar homes while her organization has raised $100 million. And in that story, you have Hawk Newsom, who's, I guess, the New York chapter, expressing consternation about it. And that's what he's saying. If I bring up something about Anthony Fauci in this environment, it's not going to work. And he's saying that is to the Washington Post, to Megyn Kelly, who basically was kicked out of NBC for not being NBC-like. And now she's truly herself on the podcast. Alex, uh, listen on WABC in Brooklyn. Good morning, Brian. I love your show. Thanks for taking my call. You got more energy than a spritzing seltzer bottle. I really love your show. I'm I'm calling because Senator Schumer says that President Trump stole two seats in the Supreme Court, and now it's up to the Democrats to repair the damage. I don't get it. If there's no problem with packing the Supreme Court in order to repair the damage, why did they not tell us that during the campaign that they would when they were asked as to whether they would pack the Supreme Court or not. You know, every child knows that you don't change the rules of the game when it benefits for you and not the other player, because otherwise you're you looked at as a cheap, sore loser. And that's what the Democrats are doing. They're changing the rules. They're, they're packing the court because it benefits them because they have the House, they have the Senate and the White House as well. Listen, Alex, I was going to interrupt you, but I have, you, you put it brilliantly. You're 100 percent right. They were not candid. Uh, Joe Biden's basement campaign. Uh, he's done nothing that he said he would do. He's acting more like AOC than Joe Manchin, and we thought it would be just the opposite. Uh, he has no problem with his left flank. In fact, they have a, an open access to the White House, and it's scary for the country. Jim Fallia next. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Trump may be the last exhibit in the trial, but he wasn't the first. I mean, look at Romney and McCain. They couldn't stand either one of those guys uh, until they started criticizing Republicans. They sure as hell didn't like them when they were running for president. So the media likes three kinds of Republicans, the ones that vote with Democrats, the ones that lose, and the ones that die. And dying is just a little bit too much for most of us to curry favor with the media. So that's what's going on right now in politics. And uh, that is Trey Gowdy. You can put a phrase together like nobody else. He's got this humility about him, but he, he puts on a show. Uh, from his days as a prosecutor, evidently, that's where it comes from. Jim, Jimmy Fallia, who usually doesn't get here till 12, <laughs> uh, tries to come in, and you leave right away at 3. 
right? Not, Stop it. I'm your, here. Your I, show is from 12 to 3 on Fox News Radio. You're right next door. Mm. And uh, that was Trey Gowdy. Yes. You, once I run the clip, you now have a license. You don't have to pay. No, no, you just if, if you try to preempt me and run clips that I don't have yet, that's when you run into costs. <laughs> oh, we owe you big. I drop your name in legal at least twice a week. Like, yeah, kill me, Brandon. <laughs> right. So um, let me ask some. How many clips do you have? On a daily show? Probably like 30 to 35. But I, I monologue pretty hard. Right. Um, so I probably don't use all of them. But I like to work off one of them. You know, like every artist has a process. I essentially just need enough clips to make it sound like I know what I'm talking about. Right. You know what you're talking about. It's a different thing. Right. You know, so you can bounce in and out and sing the hits. Right. You know? So you're saying that you're not really sure you know what you're saying. I mean, I'm, I, I'm, I'm on my way. You know, but let's, <laughs> let's, let's not mislead the people. You're Brian Kilmeade. You know, the right. sun never sets on your entertainment empire here at Fox. The morning, the radio, the Fox Nation. I'm kind of like the Jose Akendo of Fox News. That was an old utility player for the Mets and the Cardinals. So, like, I do a little radio. Once in a while, you fill in on TV. I make paninis on the 42nd floor. I'm actually late parking a car right now for Stuart Varney, so let's make this quick. Right. So, to follow everything you said, you, everything you said was based on fact. Yes. Right. Uh, and, Jimmy, <laughs> but, uh, Jimmy, you came from comedy, though, stand-up, yes. right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I see so, the background. And you still do it? Mm-hmm. Or no? Yes. Um, I have a special on Amazon Prime right now called State of the Union. Um, it's actually, honestly, the number one rated comedy special on Amazon. And if anybody watches tonight, uh, I will get a 10-cent royalty from Jeff Bezos. So take off right. the apron, Jenny Fallon. So we are wait, going out. So this was something done when we could have audiences? Or yes. is this something you did? You know where I taped it? With our mutual friend, Chris Mazzilli, executive producer at the Gotham Comedy Club. We shot it at Gotham. This is my first special. came out in 2016. Uh, we're looking to shoot another one now. Now, but right. we're waiting to get audience clearance. Right. You know? but, and, you're, and you're certain the audience would come if they were cleared. <laughs> <laughs> Is that true, Jimmy? Well, yeah, I might have to perform under like a state. I might right. say an evening with Brian Kilmeade or pull something like that. No, I'm only kidding. Read some so, Sam Houston passages. And the, which is, which is which People go to comedy clubs to hear about Sam Houston. Have you noticed that? Can I tell you a funny story? At one of your book launches, I had a cousin in line to see you, right. so excited to see you, right. recognized me. And I saved you because my cousin, who's a delightful lad, was going to hand you a screenplay that he had no business handing you, and you were going to be stuck in one of those conversations where right. now somebody's just petitioning you in showbiz. And I, Secret Service, in the line of fire, took a showbiz bullet for you, Kilmeade. So you, Fantastic. Owe, me, you owe me these audio Jimmy Fela has, has uh, got a – you've done me a favor. Thank I had you. no idea. <laughs> now, there's two things going on here. Very few people come to work. Everyone works, but no one comes to work yes. anymore, right? Mm-hmm. We notice that. We come to work. Yeah. So – we, I've figured out, I've done a study, and we've had uh, cameras posted uh, on the, our studio doors. Oh. We're the only ones to walk in. <laughs> so we're the only ones to, I'm the only one to walk into this studio. You're uh-huh. the only one to walk into your studio. Yeah. What is stopping us from getting these studios named after us? Let's make it good. Like, like Failure Corner. You know, and, <laughs> and the years, and we'll have the year you started yeah. and a dash. Established. Right, established when? And then <laughs> why can't we name these studios after ourselves? I think we're well within our rights on this. Right. You know, but you like to do things above board and you want to run it through the grown-ups. I think there should have been no talk of this and we should have just So you, you think I've made a mistake? Absolutely. Right. You, you, don't, you mm-hmm. don't think there'd be momentum, like this would be a good idea? Listen, honestly, for your show, yes. For my show, they want to hide the evidence. You know, they, they make me call it Fox News Radio with two X's just for legal purposes. And it's like, Fox Across America, though. Yes, but it, with Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. But that. you would prefer it be Jimmy Fallon. 
I, I don't, is Fox Across America. I Honestly, I don't mind Fox Across America for this reason. Right. Obviously, the Fox brand is a lot more well-known than me, a guy who went to community college and grew up driving a taxi. So I like having that. It kind of credentials me a little bit more because I didn't come into this with you know a, a big platform. Um, but I think the fact that it's aligned with Fox also helps the perception of the show because it's a really easy-to-digest show, and people like that. I think it looks good for the brand. So I think it's mutually beneficial. How about so, that? I, I, uh, I think that. It's very political. It shows you you're not from the raw streets and stages of New York City. Uh, but I, I, a couple of things. Uh-huh. I watch you and uh, and Joey from the comedy world, uh-huh. who has now joined uh, Gutfeld. Greg Gutfeld yes. as a writer. Mm-hmm. What is it like to have a desk and to have like <laughs> to report and a pass to get into buildings as opposed to I don't have to pay the cover. I'm going on stage tonight. And, like, there's there's a routine. Yes. Didn't you live your whole life not to live that, to have that routine? That is a good point. You know, it's funny. Most comics live the life of, like, a hitman, for real. Like, you go on the road to a town you've never been there before. You're going to interact with almost nobody and be gone before anyone knows you were even there. Right. That's, like, the road and life. And you will not community. remember anything. Not, nothing. You remember nothing about it. Just a blur. Hotels and nice? No, no. Usually not. <laughs> not never. Are you <laughs> Usually the kind of hotels they put you in as a comedian, you can see the dimples in the door from where the... The police rammed it down the night before. <laughs> TV's bolted to the nightstand. You can tell what they think of you when you got the uh, Velcro wire on the remote control. But DeVito, I will have you know, um, is a guy also as a comic, Joe DeVito, who didn't actually have roommates. So this is really foreign for him right? because he's now surrounded by like eight people on Gutfeld staff. Most comics have in New York City at least eight roommates. So Can it's not I, that big of an adjustment. My opinion, uh-huh. I've seen him on stage in front of thousands of people. He's a fantastic comedian, uh-huh. right? He looks more scared sitting by himself in his in the office than he does on oh. stage by himself with just a microphone. Yeah, that's a great he looks point. At, and he has a name. He doesn't know he could take his name down. Like, yeah. it, you put the name on the desk so you know where to find it. Yes. After you sit there a few times, you don't need to You're leave good. your name <laughs> on the desk. Do you tell him this as a comedian? I haven't shown him the ropes yet because I want him to go through. There is like a, it's, it's almost like a, a birth canal when you get indoctrinated into what it is we do here in terms of being in an office environment and everything. And I want him to have that for himself right. and then when it's when he's through it like two months and i can see he's like making eye contact with people again and he has his fingernails have grown back from biting them we're going right. to talk about like what have you learned what do you think we'll have like an intel briefing so how do you what is with these comedians who are coming down like greg's ratings are fantastic and uh-huh. obviously he's one of the funniest people you're meeting a fantastic writer uh-huh. why don't why does the comedy world accept him well you see some of the blowback from some of these hosts and they're coming at him well they're definitely threatened by him a hundred, a hundred percent. And he's different, right? Yes, because this is the thing. They he's have, not a stand-up, and that bothers them. That definitely drives them crazy. But it's also the fact that they've had a free pass for the better part of forever because there was no one calling BS on what they did. There was no other host out there that was kind of running counter, like counterculture to the grain. You know, when you think about it, every one of these guys is essentially now just a partisan activist giving you a lecture. You know, if you're watching comedy, folks, and the applause outnumber the laughs— you're not at a comedy show. You're at a lecture. Yeah. You know, do you remember when Seth Meyers told that story last year? He was like, I'm going to put out uh, a Netflix special, but you'll have the option to watch it without the Trump jokes. Yeah, the special will be 13 seconds long. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be the opening credits. But they're threatened by the reality of Greg because, one, he's shooting at two you know, different targets, uh, and two is shooting at them. And they haven't had that because they're, you know, a kind of a kumbaya good old boys thing, and they haven't had anyone calling them out. So right. he's a threat, man. They don't like him. You know what's interesting is, like, can you imagine if the most popular guy in school, you saw him or her, and you don't care? 
Yeah. As like, wait, you're not trying to win over Jimmy yeah, yeah. Kimmel? You're not trying to win over? Uh, or Fallon, as it seems to me, to be a different cop. Ho- he just seems like situation. the nicest guy. He's, he's the sweetest human who ever lived. I heard that. And he is a, he's in a hostage situation. Because they yelled at him because he was not. He did. When Donald Trump was on Jimmy Fallon, he did what a, a late night show host is supposed to do, which is show you the guest in a way you don't normally get to see them. Talk to them about things we're not used to hearing about. Have fun. And what he did with Trump, as you remember, he mussed his hair. They had a good time. He did a perfect job with Donald Trump, Mm -hmm. but then was kind of like literally like pistol whipped by the outrage mob into saying like, oh, you normalized that this wasn't what you were supposed to do. And that stopped Jimmy Fallon from doing what up until then was the highest rated show in late night, which was a variety of sketch show. Yeah, he's getting crushed. It was like it was almost like such a coup for Colbert, who was tanking. Do you remember Colbert? Like tickets to Colbert in like 2016 were like ten dollars to get in and fifty to get out. Like right. nobody wanted ah. to be there. It was awful. And then they got everybody doing politics, and that was his wheelhouse. So he now, by default, became the lead horse. And you just realize how great John Stewart was, even though he targeted us all the time and me all in particular. Yes. But still, he was fa- he's fantastic. It's great because he he's does. smart and funny. Yes. Uh, but I guess he's coming back now, too. Mm-hmm. So this, to me, is the clip of the day, and I saw it yesterday afternoon because it it's mimics everything that uh, maybe we, but po- definitely me, have been feeling, is that you told us to get vaccinated. Yeah. Nothing has changed. Now you're wearing double masks, <laughs> and they're getting away with it. Listen to Jim Jordan. Cut mm-hmm. one. In your written statement, you say, now is not the time to pull back on masking, physical distancing, and avoiding congregate settings. When is the time? When do Americans get their freedom back? Can you put your microphone on, please? Sorry. When we get the level of infection in this country low enough that it is not a really high threat. What is low enough? Give me a number. When do we get to the point, what measure, what standard, what objective uh, outcome do we have to reach before, before Americans get their liberty and freedoms back? You know, I, you're indicating liberty and freedom. I look at it as a public health measure to prevent people from dying and going to the hospital. You don't think Americans' liberties have been threatened the last year, Dr. Fauci? They've been assaulted. And he would later be cut off, cut yeah. two. I don't look at this as a liberty thing, Congressman Jordan. What number do we get our liberties back? Tell me the number. Tell me the number. I'd like my question answered. It expires, sir. If you need to respect the chair and shut your mouth. Oh. Imagine a world where Jim Jordan said the Maxine Waters shut your mouth, by the way. That's all it would be. Country's on fire. Yeah, absolutely. But to the point of Fauci, because he's obviously making it up at this point. Like, I would have more respect for him if he, do you remember those magic eight balls? Right. You could shake them up and they'd give you an answer. I'd have more respect for him at this point if he was just at least bringing along a magic eight ball. Because he's bringing it up anyway. He shouldn't be running a press conference. No, he shouldn't well, be anywhere near you know, it. it should be like, okay, you're the biologist, and if something comes up in your category, then give me your opinion, then I'll siphon it. Trump actually had it right, yes. but I don't think that he had any experience, nor did anyone else, about, you know, this isn't just a war, this isn't just a bombing, this isn't just a recovery, this isn't just a hurricane. Yeah. We're not sure how this ends, mm-hmm. but Trump looked around and go, but I'm sure they don't know how this is going <laughs> to end, so this guy is not going to have my future in his hands. No. I have no idea why he walks on water. To me, it's the biggest mystery in my life. It's amazing, uh, and I, I honestly, at some point, we're going to outgrow him, uh, and he's going to be wonderful on Dancing with the Stars because he's not going to leave the spotlight. Like, you can tell at this point he realizes what's getting him booked. Like, if he goes on to an MSNBC or CNN, you know, he's going to go on there, and he's going to flat out, you know, say whatever is, I think, more, most times the most doom and gloom thing. Like, if you remember, he was on MSNBC on Sunday, and they were asking him about you know, these states that have reopened that don't have rising case rates. And Fauci said, well, you know, usually it takes, you know, a couple of weeks for that data to come in. 
and the host responded with, well, it's been three weeks. You know, he doesn't have an answer is the point, but he likes the notoriety. But the way I would do it with him is, you know, I find that fascinating and encouraging. Yeah. What's happened in Texas since that mass mandate went off is one of my biggest surprises. Yeah. And I, maybe they met, made in that state, uh, they made herd made, uh, immunity. That's something we're looking at. Mm-hmm. Game on. Yes. But this is how I knew for sure that Anthony Fauci was playing politics. Mm-hmm. And this is after the transition to from Trump to Biden. I've been wanting to come on your show for months and months. You've been asking me to come on your show for months and months. And it's just gotten blocked. That's, I mean, let's, let's call it what it is. It just got blocked because they didn't like the way you handle things and they didn't want me on there. I mean, it was so clear when we sent it down. Why would you want to go on Rachel Maddow's show? Well, because I like her and she's really good. It doesn't make any difference. Don't do it. I don't think you're going to see that now. I think you're going to see a lot of transparency. What a, what a, he's such a shameless liar, by the way. Like, that one really bothers me. Because Fauci, if you remember under Trump, was on TV all the time. He was a pop culture. He had a bobblehead doll. Uh, he threw out a first pitch, if you remember, and not a very good one. Although, in his defense, he made sure nobody catches anything. But, I mean, Fauci was everywhere in the media. We had Fauci fatigue last June, July, and August. So this notion that he was being silenced is absurd. But how about that hug he gives to Rachel Maddow there? He's, you know, he's an in-the-tank liberal. And it's funny because I wasn't going to bring this up. But I was talking to a former member of the White House yesterday, and they said one of the few silver linings so far in all of the mismanagement we've seen out of Biden is that the public is catching up to just how much of a fraud Fauci is, and he is. He's. This is awful. That's a terrible cut. It, but it, but it's just so in, indicative of where he stands. Why would you, as a virologist, want to go on Rachel Maddow like it's one of these bucket list things? <laughs> what if, unless you totally agree, you're really good. Like uh-huh. you, you would never say that to Sean. Yeah. Because he doesn't agree with anything Sean says. That's the tell. That's what I mean. If this is a poker game, that was the tell right there. That you knew maybe the guy didn't have the pocket aces. Is he would never say that on any other show. Right. I'm dying to go on Rachel Maddow. Stop it. Uh, Jimmy's wife has a way to make plaques and donate and finally coronate <laughs> our studios. After us, we're going to find out details on how much it's going to cost me in just a moment. Jimmy Failure, sticking around. Who's the cat that won't cop out when there's things you're all about? Right on. You see, this cat chef is a bad mother. Shut your mouth. What I'm talking about, chef. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. So Jimmy Fahey is here, and he is about to do his show shortly. But in the meantime, he's going to be joining us right now with more to know. More to know. Sponsored by Oxford Gold Group. Call today to learn how you can protect your retirement and savings account. 833-600-GOLD. That's 833-600-GOLD. So, Jimmy, you know these stories, not normally in the headlines, but boy, are they important. You want to go first. Oh, let's talk about uh, Republicans introducing legislation to ban TikTok on all federal government devices. Weren't they supposed to be banned already? Yeah, like, was it on there? (laughs) I I keep, I I didn't know which channel to find Mitch McConnell lip syncing. Right. I I had no idea. Well, you know, that's the one thing my daughter walked up to me. She's in 12th grade. The only time she walked up to me, she goes, can you tell me what's happening with TikTok? Yeah. They 
Oh, they love care. TikTok. That's a thing. And I think that China must think we're the goofiest country ever. I, I think they're punking us with these apps. You make a great point, Kilmeade. I don't think they use them in China. I think they put them out here to see how stupid we are. Right. And they are dying laughing. TikTok is probably the highest rated primetime comedy in China. Next, NPR, PBS, and Maris poll released now say they guess what? Most Americans oppose these woke corporations. The question was asked, support or oppose professional sports teams or organizations using their public role, position, or events to influence political, cultural, or social change? 40% support, 55% oppose. Thank you. How come they don't realize that when they need the marketplace? It's a great point. The song is called Take Me Out to the Ball Game. It's not called Tell Me How to Vote at the Ball Game. It's not Buy Me Some Peanuts and Cracker Jack. I don't care if voter ID comes back. Play the game, man. Drives me crazy. Next. Mm -hmm. Uh, a Missouri state senator proposes a Rush Limbaugh day, uh, which I would get behind all the way, Brian. Kilmeade. Right. I know in St. Florida they even had a controversy with uh, putting it down to the state house because I guess they were a liberal area. I miss Rush already. Oh, his his wife's doing a great job looking back at his career, but I don't know how long that can go on. She's killing it. Listen, I, I, I know, uh, you know, obviously his wife's the best midday host in the country, but I have a strong opinion on who the second best midday host in the country is. I'm not going to drop names, but I think it's a former community cab driver, college cab driver named Jimmy Fallon. I think, I think say too, but you are biased towards yourself. A little bit. It's always been the case. (laughs) Next, Mike Pence has, get this, he needs a pacemaker because his heart wasn't beating fast enough. If (laughs) if, You could just picture Donald Trump just going, what a week, you know, how weak is that? Come on. How could you work for President Trump and have your heartbeat be too low? Is he even alive? Yeah, what what is Pence on? I need to find out. (laughs) Keep me calm in traffic here in New York Do you think he's got a real shot at running? If Trump doesn't run? Wow. I happen to love Pence quite a bit. I think he's a great guy. I don't know that he does, though. But I think he plays a role should a Republican yes. get in. This is what happens. Everybody who runs is going to get treated like Trump. Like, if Tim Scott runs, Tim Scott is going to be called a racist, is going to be called Trump. So I don't know if Pence wants to do that. If he needs a, a pacemaker now, <laughs> does he really want a rematch? Jimmy, good luck in your show. My man, you're the best. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in free-fall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.